0: On this week's episode, the box office is Wakanda Forever. We share some blockbuster memories and Netflix gears up for Gears of War. All this and more as we once again delve into the Pop Culture Cosmos.
1: Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos.
0: another episode of the pop culture cosmos this is gerald glassford from pop culture cosmos game source inside sports fantasy football and the lakers fast break we truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all the great shows and if you can please give us that five star review wherever you get your podcasts Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Humanic and Media, of course, everything going on at the Happy Hoarder. Go ahead and follow the Happy Hoarder today on Facebook to get the latest updates on when the Happy Hoarder goes live because the Happy Hoarder's got some great deals for you to go ahead and pick up this holiday season. Plus, also, as well, the famous book congratulations you suck go ahead and pick it up today right there for you at amazon and barnes noble and if you can do all that plus also the fact that we're the number one tabletop rpg streamer on facebook there's a ton absolute ton of hours available to you for watching pleasure right there for you in the tabletop rpg land right there on facebook plus also as well we are the best place to go for the latest news and trends of pop culture right there on Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. So, like that page to get the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every day. And if you do, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. You can catch him here all the time at the Pop Culture Cosmos. And of course, the Lakers Fast Break. It is my good friend. It is tj johnson tj great to have you here wanted to go ahead and start off the show by saying black panther wakanda forever 330 million dollars at the box office 180 of it is in the u.s truly a fantastic performance your thoughts on how black panther wakanda forever did this weekend at the box office
1: I appreciate you, brother G, brother G. I appreciate you for allowing me the opportunity to be on the show once again. While I have not had the pleasure of seeing it yet, I promised my wife that I would not go see it without her. Uh, as you know, as you mentioned, I'm in, in beautiful, beautiful Chicago, Illinois at the moment, um, visiting family. And my wife made it very clear. She said, when you go, don't have me find out that you went to go see Black Panther without me. I said, yes, my queen, I will not go see, I will not go see Black Panther without you. But um, everything I'm hearing from all the box office success, uh, it is encouraging. It is encouraging because, Gerald, I've made it very clear that I did not like the direction that they were going to go. I made it very clear that I thought they needed to recast T'Challa. I have said it many times, and I think I'm still going to die on that hill. I, I don't feel... I don't feel differently about that. What I can say is, from what I've heard, they've done his legacy justice, mm-hmm. and they've done the franchise justice in how they're moving forward in spite of losing Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa um, in the in the, the the movies. For moving forward, uh, so I'm encouraged to hear that. I'm encouraged to to see the numbers for the box office. I'm a firm believer that cinema, especially this kind of cinema you know we talked about on a a previous episode where there are certain movies you want to see it but you don't necessarily need to see it in the movie theater right Mm -hmm. i don't need to see a rom-com in the theater i think i probably enjoy those more at home with my wife right just sitting on our couch Mm -hmm. but when you get to these big bombastic action-packed movies and experiences those are designed they're shot on imax cameras for a reason those are designed to Mm -hmm. be in theaters so it's encouraging when you see the numbers that Black Panther is doing, three hundred thirty million globally launched, it's 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 an incredible thing to see, and it's encouraging because it lets us know that, and it, it lets the movie uh, the critics know, it lets the people know that when you if you build it, they will come. If you put forth a product that is as strong, visually striking, moving as this, they will come to the cinema. You just got to bring your A game. People are. They have a much more sophisticated palette now and they, they want what they want. They know what they want and they're going to flock to what they want to see. So uh, it's important for people to realize that did Marvel change the way people look at movies, maybe. Did COVID change the way people look at movies? Absolutely. So now when we go to the movie theater, we want to see a certain type of film. And if I can see that certain type of film and get the feeling that I get at home, then I'm going to stay at home and watch instead of going to spend the, the 20, 30 bucks to go for, you know, for two tickets to a movie theater to go see a show. Why not stay at home?
0: Yeah. So they've been one <laughs> kind of you, right. they got to name it something else. I think so far with Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, I think they now have something that can lead them into phase five. Phase four has been all over the place as far as yes, successes, failures, introductions, and goodbyes. I think it's been all over the place and not all of it's been successful by a long shot. But I think now that with Black Panther Wakanda Forever and the things that could lead and come out of it, I think that phase five is set up very well for the first time that I can say that in a long time.
1: I completely agree with you. And we've talked at ad nauseum about how widely stretching this phase has been and Mm. how frustrating it's been because it's so, widely stretched and you don't know what you're getting here and you're getting part of this here it's been extremely frustrating um, so I, I i agree with you and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing wakanda forever because i from everything i've been told everything i understand it is a definitive definitive experience and it is probably the definitive experience of this part of the uh the multiverse saga so i'm excited to see it can't wait to get home to my wife so we can go finally find some time to go look at it and uh yeah i'm excited for it i'm excited for it
0: well again it is black panther wakanda forever it is absolutely (laughs) huge hit uh, around the world 330 million dollars and that obviously means also as well that a black panther three will be sometime down the road as well looking forward to it great thoughts right there my friend and if you have thoughts on black panther wakanda forever pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com but before we head to the break and right after that my good friends adam smith and roger hamilton from the demolition force every monday you can catch them right there at pop culture cosmos on facebook they're talking about blockbuster video their memories and also the latest comedic show on netflix the sitcom blockbuster wanted to hear your thoughts on yellowstone as it debuts a new season season five the mega hit Without last episode that was shown for season four, over 9 million people watched it. So your thoughts on season five at Yellowstone?
1: Well, you know, I, I think the big thing about Yellowstone, and, and to answer your question, I've never seen an episode myself, but I, I'm familiar with a bit of the cast. Obviously, we're familiar with Kevin Costner, a uh, huge fan of Kevin Costner from back in his Waterworld days, Robin Hood. Even though a lot of people didn't like Waterworld, I thought it was actually pretty good. But I digress, I digress. Uh, I have not personally watched this show. I have heard great things about it. And it's one of those things that it just never really looked uh, like a show that I would get into. I was never really big into uh, the Western type look, cowboy hats and that. That's just never been my genre, which is funny because I'm a huge gamer and being a gamer, I love Red Dead Redemption. So you'd think I'd kind of be more interested in it, but I'm really not. Saying that to say, For it to get as much acclaim as it does and for it to be as popular as it is there's got to be something worthwhile to look at there so it's piqued my interest it hasn't piqued my interest to the point where i've started actually watching it but it's a little bit more on my radar as of recently so i think i think i actually might stop once we kind of get through the holidays here because obviously there are a lot of things going on uh that we're ramping up towards once we get through the holidays and you know we have some time to kind of just catch our breath and and breathe a little bit but i think that might be a show we try to pick up on uh, i'll see if i can talk my wife into it if not i might just have to do it on my own
0: great to hear your thoughts on yellowstone if you have thoughts on yellowstone out there please let us know pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com hey this is chad from ghost toasters and you're listening to pop
2: culture cosmos podcast Mr. Witch and Mr. Light have an agreement with a group of hags who call themselves the Hourglass Coven. You see, they can come and go into the Witchlight Carnival as they please to steal from naughty patrons. But what happens when those patrons come back years later looking for those lost things? Find out as Wizards & Wine takes on the Wild Beyond the Witchlight, two tables playing through the same adventure, one table more thoughtful, kind, and bold in their actions. The other table more decisive, more adventurous, a little more prone to taking risks. The actions of each table influences the gameplay of the other. Find out how it all shakes out with Wizards & Wine, the wild beyond the Witchlight. You can catch the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, and you can catch the live stream on Mondays. Find us on YouTube and Facebook we hope to see you at the carnival very soon
3: you've heard others but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the jock and nerd podcast here imran so if you offend everyone at once it all it's a wash i've covered everybody anthony Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. It can't be silly, goofy fun. Seriously, people really listen to this. Ugh.
0: Jock and Nerd! And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glasser coming right back at you here. I cannot believe I did not hit the go live button before. We had some good (laughs) stuff that nobody will ever see, but we're going to have some more good stuff right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Gerald Glasser coming right back at you here. Thanks so much for watching and listening. It is Blockbuster. That's now available on Netflix. Ten episodes right there for you. It's their latest attempt at a sitcom to try and get the sitcom part of netflix going which have not been actually having the greatest returns on and i did say over the course of the past couple episodes the pop culture cosmos pcc multiverse that i was not pleased with this outing based loosely off and i would say based very loosely off the final blockbuster video store that's now in oregon this is based in michigan and just with Randall Park, you know, the efforts there, but unfortunately, the terrible writing and the fact that the sporting characters are really nothing to write home about. Unfortunately, even though this is done by the makers of Superstore and shot in a style similar and reminiscent of Superstore, that this is just not going to go ahead and be anywhere near like Superstore and the greatness that it is. Unfortunately, this is a very disappointing series for me, but how do actual Blockbuster Store video managers? that have experienced this on the front line, feel about it. I've got two guys that have served their, their own stores for the Blockbuster video chain that are here right now. It is two guys that you should be familiar with every Monday at the Demolition Force. It is Adam Smith and, of course, DM Roger Hamilton, who also wreaks havoc each and every weekend out there on Melinda and Rob at the Vampires and Vitae. Guys, great to have you here for the second time around. I truly appreciate your patience and staying with me. Adam, I'm going to go again with you. Start with you again. <laughs> First, your thoughts on the series, and and then we'll go into some memories that maybe could have provided some better outlooks on a better series for Netflix. Sure.
4: I could only make it through about five episodes of the show. You're a brave uh, it, man. It's an actual chore to watch. I love Randall Park. I'm a big fan of his work. I just feel that the writing goodness even the supporting acting is just absolutely terrible yeah that part aside i I find it interesting i I think almost a trip down memory lane seeing the familiar aspects which i I did enjoy Mm -hmm. you know they really nailed what it feels like to be inside a blockbuster what it looked like uh the wire racking the dvds um hearing movies being returned into the outside dropbox and what that funk feels like uh, and you can hear it from across the store Roger, I'm sure you can attest to that memory. People in well. the mailbox, was
0: hoping it will actually be the video that they want to go ahead and check out.
4: Oh, we would usually have four or five customers that would sit right around. And they'd be like, something fell. Can you come check it? <laughs> so it, it, uh, it, it definitely brings back the nostalgia. I worked at Blockbuster. I managed three stores uh, at the same time from 1999 till 2002. So I I have a little bit of background with what it actually felt like to be in a Blockbuster and what it was uh, uh, like to deal with customers.
0: And you noted on the first time around that, you know, you would have liked to have seen not only something portrayed as far as some of your experiences as a store manager, but also uh, I noted to you that you kind of liked as far as creating a scenario that Netflix should have looked at instead of just using this as, as I mentioned before in previous episodes, as Netflix's vanity plate, that, aha ha, 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 we won okay. the war. You know, instead of that, like, this seems to be, put it more like, okay, instead of like, a, not like a documentary or docu-series, like actually a drama of the rise and the fall of, of Blockbuster, either behind the scenes at corporate or actually probably on the front lines on an every day-to-day basis where you could see it actually transform as far as from one opportunity to the next.
4: Well, yeah, definitely. I think that uh, by placing it in modern society and modern times right now, a lot of things feel off about it. Sort of like uh, being in a 50s burger joint or something along those lines, but having it take place you know, in 2022, something would feel a little bit off about it where the nostalgia wouldn't quite hit for someone that lived through that time period. I think they really could have gone with something back from, you know, 1999 when Y2K was a threat, when 9-11 wasn't a thing. The world felt very different back then, and I think maybe going with a period piece that sort of highlighted those aspects might be a little bit more intriguing to a younger audience that may remember it from their early childhood, or it may be something they never experienced but, you know, just predated them.
0: Absolutely. I, I equated it to the fall of the Roman Empire where everything was great and grand <laughs> and everybody was eating grapes and all of a sudden mistakes were made because, you know, like we're seeing now, if you've seen the the series Star Wars and or where they're saying, well, the Empire is getting too big and too fat. Well, mm-hmm. uh, there was a time where admittedly Blockbuster was getting too big and too fat and they started making mistakes and and uh, obviously one of the biggest ones was not purchasing Netflix when Netflix was simply begging them to go ahead and purchase them. Roger, your thoughts on the series, and again, I, I've equated it to a vanity plate for Netflix, just thought it was something that really wasn't thought out very well. I was hoping for better returns, and I know especially you in the chat that we have that we go, goes on a daily basis. I thought you were, I think you were, of all three of us, you seem to be the most disappointed.
3: I worked for a company for two different stints, uh, about five years each, and I managed over 40 different stores just because of the position that I was in. Um, so it was it was my life. I, I was the blockbuster guy. That's how most people knew me back then. The show is not blockbuster. Like you said, uh, the, they tried to take what should have been a period piece and drop it into modern times I mean they even brought about the end of blockbuster now and that's not how it happened it happened years ago if you take away the aspect of it being blockbuster it's got a good cast the writing wasn't great but most romantic comedies on TV aren't when they first start out so I, I took it with a grain of salt. I watched all ten episodes, and if I didn't think about the fact that it was trying to be a blockbuster show, I didn't hate it completely. But once you add in the fact that it's supposed to be a blockbuster show uh, literally, then yeah, it was absolutely terrible. They got almost everything wrong except for the set. <laughs> like like Adam said the the set was great. I love seeing the, the old shelving and I, I'm from back in the days before the wire shelves and stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I, I did a lot of those conversions.
4: Yep.
3: Oh, those old wooden shelves were a mess, mm-hmm. but we had good times back then. The, the show. Yeah. They, they, they should have rebranded that as something else. And, and like you said, Gerald, it, it's just, ha ha we won kind of mm.
0: a thing it, it seems like it is really it just, what it
3: boils down to
0: it screams it it actually screams it and it just seemed like it was rushed together just something like said so they could do it they had some momentum coming off the documentary that they actually showcased last year based on the actual real last yeah mm-hmm. blockbuster that's available and they felt like they could go ahead and work off that momentum from it i just thought it was again it was disappointing Uh, I've already mentioned, uh, you know, about how I thought a series would be worked out if Netflix had asked me and how I would have done it. But that's just me from an outsider's perspective, but also someone who served uh, several terms as a general manager and as a store manager for several different retail outlets, notably Wards, which suffered the same fate as Blockbuster, which is now pretty much a ghost of an entity in and of itself. In fact, actually my wife was surprised the other day when I got a, package from my sister from montgomery wards and she's like yeah. that's still around
3: I say, they yes. still have the catalogs
0: they still have yeah but it's only online right now as far as yeah and that's the way it will stay but i wanted to ask your thoughts on this let's say let's say you, you know netflix goes and calls you and adam into two rooms say you know not from your trouble just wanted your advice as far as as advisors on how they should go ahead and proceed with a blockbuster show how would you have structured it as far as a blockbuster show is concerned?
3: Um, I probably still would have done like the, the store part of it. That, that would have been the, the main focus, but more of uh, the operations. I used to have my CSRs pitted against each other to see who could return tapes the fastest correctly mm-hmm. and who could carry the most without dropping them and you gained points for being successful, you lose points for dropping them and making a mess and spending ten minutes trying to <laughs> realphabetize and carry them the rest of the way around the store. But ultimately I had to show them all up because I was the boss. So little things like that, maybe some of the, the back room stuff. That, that went on, the, uh, the supply rooms and stuff like that. Some of the stores that I worked at, one of my favorite stores, my first store, actually, uh, my office was on the second floor of the building. It was a very narrow uh, city building, and my office was upstairs, and I also had a basement. So it was, it was a, a large space, but the store was tiny, but we did so much business. And showing things like uh, you come in uh, on a a Wednesday because new releases came out on Tuesday. You come in on a Wednesday and the Dropbox has exploded and there's tapes all across the floor or CDs or whatever, all across the floor. And the first person in is like, oh, my God, no, I don't feel like doing this.
4: And especially if you can think back, remember to the, uh, the late fee call lists that we used to have printed out. You know, one thing that I think the store got, uh, they made a fantastic improvement on what Blockbuster was, and I think Rod's role to this as well, is back in the day, I would have given my left arm for
3: Randall Park's office. Yeah.
4: <laughs> oh, that was fantastic office. All the
3: stores I worked in never had an office like that. No, nothing remotely close. But
4: like you said, doing the, the day-to-day operational things, I mean, you could easily... Put together an episode about inventory. But where... What type
0: of time frame would you guys structure it in? Where would you set it? Would you set it in uh, now or in the past? No,
3: I would have. Oh done no, it, in it the would. Past. It would definitely be period. Yeah, yeah. yeah you'd have to. You
4: really got to scratch that nostalgia bone. And again, I think that's what the show did right, but they didn't scratch it enough. It's it's kind of like it hit the yeah. funny bone. It hurts, but you, you kind of want to laugh, but it, it's it's too painful. So I think I think if you put it back into the period piece, I think it would make a lot of people uh, remember how much fun they had. You know what it was right. like to go into a
3: blockbuster. I mean, we used to we used to have a helium tank in my store, and we blew up balloons and put them mm-hmm. on strings, and had them on the end caps. And when people came in, their kids could have a free balloon on Friday nights, Saturday nights. Yeah, kids look forward to that. I used to give out popcorn in my stores, mm-hmm. just pop a couple bags just to get that theater smell get people in the mood for the movies and then just give them out little dixie cups of popcorn just to get them going boosted sales like you wouldn't believe just little tiny things like that and uh if i were going to do a show i would i would probably add in some of the special events that we used to do the in-store stuff like like I say, we had balloons and stuff like that when certain movies came out. Oh my God, were you working when Titanic came out, Adam?
4: <laughs> Those double tapes the,
3: were so bad. Tapes, the, <laughs> I was working in the tiny little store that I was telling you about, and I got 200 copies of Titanic, mm-hmm. two VHS cassettes each, yep. and they were not rubber banded together when they came into us. Mm. So we had to open up every case and put these rubber bands on to connect them. So, it it was it was a mess
4: and the conversations uh, you would have with your employees or your coworkers you know depending yeah. on what position you were at that's going to take a few guys a uh, uh, quite a while to take care of and, yeah. and the way you're interrupted or uh need to help customers during that time frame it, it could have led to a lot of really interesting human interaction opportunities and uh, I just don't think that they really showed what it was like for a person to go into a Blockbuster and shop it, or, or right. what it was like to work there. You know, my 26-year-old son remembers as a kid going into Blockbuster, but he could have conversations with my 16-year-old, and he doesn't have no any clue. idea what, you know, yeah. what, what he's talking about, how different it was for him as an experience.
3: Yeah, inventories were were fun. I was an inventory specialist. I ran a special inventory team in the Mid-Atlantic. And like you said, some of the conversations and the things, I, I watched so much anime <laughs> during inventory because I usually would take the high school kids yep. that I hired and have them do inventory with me because they were all happy to stay awake all night. And I would put on the anime for them and they absolutely loved it and we would get inventory done in like two or three hours depending on the store
1: mm-hmm. uh, for, us
4: where, was, uh, for us it was for us it was the beavis and Butthead collection it yeah. was syphill and Ollie tapes Anything that we could put on that was really good comedy was going to happen on inventory night yeah and, and so people would be excited too I worked in larger stores so we would start preparing for inventory an hour before we closed and as soon yep. as that door was locked. It's go time because we're going to be here for about seven or eight hours.
3: Yeah, and uh, they didn't touch on something like that, but inventory and Blockbuster, you literally hand scanned every item in the store. Every single rental movie, all of the the sales stuff, all of the candy, everything got scanned by hand. Mm -hmm. So we ran all these. 200 foot long cords out through the stores and oh my god
4: and there was always the broken one
0: yep you're listening to the pop culture cosmos you're listening to the pop culture cosmos so i ask you guys this now as we close this great conversation out once again i'm with adam smith and roger hamilton guys you you can check out each and every monday on facebook on the pop culture cosmos right there for you for the demolition force that roger runs each and every monday adam is a great player involved in who knows? I even show up every now and then when I can. Uh-huh. Right there at, well, aha! At the Demolition Force. i got to get my hair going here. But before we <laughs> head on out, wanted to go ahead and hear some great memories from you guys. If there was one memory that you would love to take as an episode, if you said Netflix, okay, if you're not going to take my a whole idea on a series, but take one idea for an episode, I'll start off with you, Adam. One idea, one incident, one thing, or one event that happened to me that was just so wild, so wacky, so crazy, so out there, that only a Blockbuster show could take care of it. What would that be?
4: Wow, that is a that is a question <laughs> and a half. You know, not necessarily wild or wacky, but something that I think every Blockbuster store manager or employee would certainly relate to. And really kind of can show what it was like to be there. They came really close in one of their first episodes. Where they had the customer talking to a person recommending a movie. But every store had that one guy. Who would come in every night. And he would sit there and put his elbow on the counter. And you were his buddy for the next 20 minutes. So he could talk about the movies that are coming out. You know what when's this coming out? What is a great movie to watch for this? But he would go back and forth constantly. And sure enough, he would leave with three or four movies, and a night or two later he comes back and goes, Okay, what's next? So I think if they were to really kind of build in on that aspect of it, that customer can be hilarious, frightening, good to see him, and happier to see him go all at the same time. And it's, uh, it's really interesting. Again, I think when it comes to these type of, of, of shows, uh, that they really highlight what it, it truly is to be in the location. And for me, that's the, the customer and the person that interacts with them.
0: Roger, anything juicy? <laughs> <laughs> well, just
3: to, just to add on one little thing to what Adam said, there's also the customer that comes in. I'm looking for a movie. It's got an actor. He's got a face. You know the one with the eyes? And he talks. And he had hair in this other movie. And then he had teeth. But, you know, it, it was that one. It came out back then. And you're supposed to figure out what all of that means and and, and try and figure out their movie for him. But uh, if I were going to make an episode... I would have to do it not about the store Uh, as funny as that might seem. It's sort of a behind the scenes type of thing that even the employees didn't get to participate in. And that is what we called fame. The fourth quarter annual managers extravaganza Mm -hmm. where all the managers got together at some location. And one of my favorite times we were in Atlantic City at the Tropicana, so there was several hundred managers there. It was the first year that John Antiaco took over, so I actually had breakfast with him that morning, but that was the the same year that Men in Black and My Best Friend's Wedding came out, and that was the themes of the parties they had at that night. Also, Allie McBeal was out and they had that dancing baby thing. (laughs) My regional manager had the entire ballroom doing the dancing baby dance that night. There, there was quite a bit of alcohol involved.
0: Oh, I would imagine so.
3: It was, it was such a fun time. That was my first time going to Atlantic city and, uh, We had such a great time because they had parties every night. We were there for like three days and it it was so much fun. They did that every every year for, oh my God, God knows how long. The, the one, one of the ones that I missed was when they came to Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't working for the company that year when they came to Vegas. So I missed out on that. Oh man. I made up for it over the last 10 years. So it's okay.
0: But Overall, you guys have good memories of your time with Blockbuster. It's something that absolutely. you look favorably upon, you know, now that you look on it, now that you're in the rearview mirror on that.
3: Yep. Good yeah, times absolutely. and bad times. Absolutely. I, I'm sure we've both got horror stories as well. But, well, that's uh, just
0: retail. Take mm-hmm. it from one who knows. That's just managing retail.
3: Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I've managed quite a few retail stores myself. But yeah, it's, Blockbuster is, it holds a special place in my heart. It's, it's, by far my favorite job I've had over the years.
4: The guy that hired me, goodness. So yeah, we're going back 23 years. Um, We are still great friends. We still get together. We live all the way across the country. Whenever we're even remotely close to each other, uh, we make sure to get together. We talk on the phone all the time still. So I've definitely made lifelong friends, um, you know, from the experience. And it's always good to uh, to see people that you worked with and you hired and you helped train, uh, you know, to learn kind of what they ended up doing in their life as well. So yep. all, all the employees I worked with back then, you know, I'm, I'm still in contact with more than a few of them. But it's just something about the place. You, you go through, uh, uh, you know, the, I guess the hell of retail <laughs> together and you come out on the other side. But uh, it, it was it was a really good memory. I don't miss the 90-hour work weeks that would spring up every now and then, but definitely a good memory.
0: Well, I will say this. It's been great talking to you both. It is Blockbuster. It's available now on Netflix, so you can go ahead and catch the 10 episodes, although it really is a tough watch. Uh, At least they're
3: half-hour episodes, though. Yeah,
0: half hours. You're right. Yeah, 25, 30 minutes on that. And that's that's the best thing about it. No commercials, obviously. (laughs) Unless you have have the ad tier, and and that's something that Netflix recently added in there. But before we head on out, just wanted to ask your, your final thoughts on Blockbuster. We all have not the greatest of opinions on it. Actually, Roger, you were the most kind on it. But you know Netflix, the one area that they've not been able to evolve even though they now have amassed 220 million subscribers, they obviously have won in the battle between them and Blockbuster. It's the fact they've not been able to create a constant sitcom or something outside of a live comedy that they do that has really been able to generate with an audience. Obviously, we've seen successes on broadcast television with sitcoms being the anchor for so much of what they do. That has yet to really happen with Netflix. So your guys' thoughts on if they will try to extend this for a season two, and if they'll ever be able to go ahead and re- get that magic from having a sitcom anchor some of the stuff that they do at Netflix.
4: I'm not really sure. That's going to go into the, the trends of, you know, the younger generation and how they uh, absorb content and media. I think what networks did is, is something that all of us definitely grew up with, uh, but they they created that need for a... a event to look forward to there's enough time in between the show that you could watch an episode and if it wasn't great by next week you forgot about that episode let's go on to the next one and while I absolutely adore and love the ability to be able to binge a show uh that's my preferred way I hate waiting for things like that now but I think that having that format really does help to anchor uh you know what the network stations were able to do As far as Netflix being able to catch that magic, I think on some things uh, they have an opportunity to.
0: Well, I mean, they have some things like Stranger Things, Cobra Kai, uh, also The Watcher, and also Mm -hmm. recently uh, The Dahmer uh, Mm -hmm. Story. Those have resonated with audiences. Squid Games, they're able to create event television from dramas and even... I guess if you could say a dramedy like like Cobra Kai is, Mm -hmm. but never really a true 30-minute sitcom. They've tried, they've had several attempts and none have yet resonated with a large audience. They
3: haven't found their friends yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Except when they had friends.
3: (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) But uh, as far as them creating content, they haven't found that magic. I mean, that's something like Friends is is so hard to find. I mean, you look at like Friends, Big Bang Theory, uh, and then you go back and mash Barney Miller, some of the stuff that us old guys remember. <laughs> but it it shows that that like the family would sit down and watch. And and it was it was a bonding kind of a thing, at least in my family it was. Mm-hmm. And even if, if we were uh, staying at a friend or family's house or something like that, we all still sat around the TV and watched that show when it came on. And people don't do that now. And, and like Adam was saying, the younger generation, they've kind of been trained now that, that their, their content and their attention span is just so short. Uh, it, it's the TikTok generation so they want everything in three-minute bites. If you can't tell an entire story in three minutes, they, you've lost them. That's, that's why it still surprises me that some of the, the Marvel movies and stuff like that, as long as they are, do so well.
0: Just uh, as an event, it's, it's got to go mm-hmm. to event piece. Yeah, yeah
3: you've, you've got to hold their attention. I'm um, uh, really uh, anxious to see what happens when the new Avatar comes out.
0: Yeah, because think, when the
3: original came out, I saw it in the theater seven different times.
0: Okay, all right. Uh, I would do not share your enthusiasm for that movie outside of Stephen Lang's <laughs> brilliant performance. Uh, well, it,
3: it was it wasn't because I wanted to go see it seven times. I had to take different children at okay. different times to go see it all these different times,
0: and I uh, sympathize with you, my friend, on that. Then. Mm-hmm. absolutely so. Yes, I had to do the same thing when I went through the ride at Disney and heard uh, nothing but uh, sounds of Avatar standing the line for three hours. So I know <laughs> as to speak time. on that. But uh, Avatar 2, The Way of Water, we'll see what happens there. James Cameron has been on record as saying if it does not go as far as financially with the next two films the way he wants it to go or the way he expects it to go or the way Disney hopes it goes – then we will not be seeing Avatar 4, 5, 6, 23, or whatever. So we'll see what happens there. It's all based off that. And I I agree with you. Can Avatar regain the cultural footprint? We'll wait and see. But it is blockbuster. It is now available on Netflix. Watch at your own risk. I don't think it'll get a season two. I think this was the vanity plate that I think that they just wanted to have just to say that they've won. And I think that's good enough for them. I do hope that they'll revisit blockbuster or somebody will revisit blockbuster in a different tale and a different way of t- storytelling to actually, you know, tell it the way it should be told as far as the rise and fall of blockbuster. I think that would be a more compelling watch, but, and I think these guys agree as well. That would probably be either from their standpoint or maybe from both a co- behind the scenes and in front of, as far as the, the actual big box itself to, if it's scores correlating that, that would be a, much more compelling watch than what we're seeing right now. But if you have thoughts out there on Blockbuster on Netflix and you actually like it and or don't like it, please let us know. Or if you have any great Blockbuster memories I can share with these guys on Mondays as part of the Demolition Force, please let us know. PopCultureCostcos at Yahoo.com. Well, guys, it's just been great having you on. Any last thoughts before we head on out? Adam, Roger?
4: Nope, I'm all set. I think we, we covered every face we could think of.
0: Just trying to figure out a way to mess with Roger on Monday? (laughs) Always. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. As long
3: as I can stream it.
0: (laughs) No problem. I'm just glad and, and just very grateful anytime that anybody goes ahead and streams their RPG games on our platform. It is truly appreciated. It helps make us one of the top entities for tabletop rpg out there on facebook and meta so i am indebted to you guys for being a part of the great monday action right there at demolition force and of course i'm indebted to you both for taking the time today to speak to me about your memories of blockbuster and the blockbuster series right here at the pop culture cosmos you're listening to the pop culture cosmos don't touch that dial wait do, do people still use dials well, thanks so much to Adam Smith and also as well, Roger Hamilton, for stopping by on the program. Before we head on out, my friend, wanted to hear your thoughts on Netflix, making announcement on Gears of War on the same day and seven day for Mass Effect. But your thoughts on Gears of War, not only announcing for a movie in the Gears of War world, a live action movie on Netflix, but an animated series as well. Come on! Come on! <laughs> you know, as you go ahead and, and uh, you know, try and get the gun to work. That your was thought, good. That was good. That was I've good. Been, I've been practicing that forever since N7. I'll, day, just, <laughs> just, but your thoughts yeah, on Yeah,
1: I'm excited. I'm excited for a couple of reasons. I, I'm excited that, that Netflix is taking chances again and, and taking chances on a property that really has been kind of in a state of limbo. For I mean, yes, we've gotten we got Gears of War four, we got Gears five, um, but the the excitement, the the hype for it, it hasn't been the same since Gears of War three. Once Gears of War three closed out yeah. that trilogy, you know, it, it's it hasn't carried the same level of excitement. Um, and and I will say that.
0: To, well, I will say Gears of War two <laughs> did come out on November the seventh, so. You could technically say it was their day first
1: for n 7 No, no, I refuse. I refuse. No. It is forever known as N7 Day for a reason. Okay. Uh, but, anyways, I digress. So, because it's been a, a series and a, and, a, and a franchise that's been kind of stagnant over the last few, uh, few, four or five years, it's exciting to see Netflix take a chance on it. And I say that because, you know, Netflix obviously has a good working relationship with video game slash story adaptations. I'm looking at The Witcher, Um, but The Witcher was hot when it happened, right? The Witcher 3 is still one of the most popular games to date, Um, Mm -hmm. still rounding out many people's top top 10 list of favorite games of all time, my own included. So in saying that, they took a quote-unquote chance, but it was a pretty calculated risk, right? With Gears Mm -hmm. of War, it tends to lean more towards the 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 risk of calculated risk versus the calculation Um, just because it's been such a stagnant series as of late for them to want to take it and actually make it good. um, They're taking some risks and I can appreciate that now here's where my concern begins, if you can call it concern we've already seen Batista in the Zack Snyder film for Netflix and. That was fun but i don't want that same batista if batista's even becomes involved because i know he's pining for the role but nothing's ever been announced nothing's been said nothing's been officially made as far as him all i've heard is that they said do not get chris pratt chris pine uh which i'm okay with too let's let's leave chris chris pratt i'm sorry chris pratt not pine chris pratt let's let's leave chris pratt out of it he's done enough right now he's he's got enough going on he can go stay in jurassic world and the Mushroom Kingdom. He's not buff enough.
0: He is not buff <laughs> enough.
1: But do you really have to be buff to do that? dude? you, on, you can't make
0: five video games with the guys looking all roared up and you can't tell me that they, they're they not going to go ahead and make yeah, it. I, I guess so. I guess. That's so. what I was telling you, you, make, you know, if you want to go ahead and try and audition for one of the roles, man, you got to go ahead.
1: Well, I'm okay. For, I'm, 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 I'm okay with that. I can, I, can, okay. I can put on about another 10, 15 pounds. Okay, uh, but okay. anyways, point being is that what I don't want to see them do is try to take it into the direction that they're doing with the Zack Snyder film and let these characters um, be more, lean more towards the kind of goofy, uh, goofy aesthetic of it. I want them to, to approach this project with the same gravitas that they did with The Witcher. I want them to approach this project with the same emotional intensity that the first three games gave us. I mean, when Dom he uh, found his wife, after all that time. And then the visual of him seeing her as this beautiful person faded away into the corpse that she truly was, that was an emotional moment for me. Not an emotional like from the standpoint I was crying, but the emotional from the standpoint of this guy has been hell bent on finding his wife since we've met him. And he finally has this moment, this elation in finding her to see that she is just a, a, a shell, a corpse of who she was and that it's heartbreaking. It's, it's heartbreaking to see that play out. So those same emotions, it's going to be very hard to bottle that up and strike lightning twice, right? It's going to be hard once you've already experienced that to re-experience it and get the same level of feeling that you did the first time. It's almost going to be impossible, but I'm encouraged that they want to try. I just want them to make sure that they give it the same gravitas that it deserves. There are some true, true, true Gears of War fans out there. Um, And you're going to be doing them a disservice. You're going to be doing the franchise a disservice if you don't treat it the way it needs to be treated. So I implore Netflix, I implore you, make sure you know the content. Make sure you know the lore, the history, the characters that you are becoming involved with. And actually take those to heart. And don't allow them to just be a character that you're writing a show for and that happens to fit the mold. Write the show for these characters. Write the show for this world. Give us the show that we expect to see uh, when we think of Gears of War. We expect guns. We expect, you know, burly guys in armor saying, come on. We expect all come this. On. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I haven't been working on that all day, so it's not as good as yours. I've been my practicing point for is, a few days. <laughs> my point
0: in is, anticipation of the show.
1: There are certain things that we expect, and I, I, I pray that Netflix recognizes those expectations and meets and exceeds those expectations. But as long as you just as long as you you stick to what the the, the, the format is and the formula is, I think they're going to be good. And as far as Batista's concerned, look I, I think it'd be great if you have Batista in the in this show. Uh, I think it'd be great if you have but I, I I don't think he needs to be Marcus Phoenix. I think he needs to be his own character. I think they I, I don't have a problem with them bringing in an original character to the show to add to it. I don't think he's marcus phoenix i I
0: think
1: he's i don't think he's marcus phoenix man i think i think you give him a different person create a character for him i don't think i don't think you make him marcus phoenix i just don't i don't get marcus phoenix from him man i just don't get it no he he doesn't do it well enough Marcus. the voice whoever the voice actor was that played marcus phoenix he gives it a certain gravitas that Batista cannot match. He can't. He can't. He can't be that that surly. I just. I don't get it. It's almost like you think about you know and and, and you know you pay respect to people who have done iconic voices. Obviously, we just lost Kevin Conroy uh, a couple of days ago, and, and our, our hearts go out to the family and and the so many friends and the so many moments. I know personally, I, I, I well, I didn't shed a tear um, from the standpoint of I didn't know him personally. Uh, he narrated so many things that I grew up with. You know, the Batman the Animated Series, uh, Justice League, the Injustice games, the Arkham games, so many things that I've been exposed to that he's voiced. His work is right up there as far as I'm concerned with Jennifer Hale. Jennifer Hale is another voice actor who has done so much work that I have leaned towards growing up that I I can recognize their voice instantly. My point in saying that is this, When they do something so well, it is very, very hard for somebody else to come behind them and do the same thing. There have been other voices for Batman. We've had Bruce Greenwood try his hand out of Batman. We've had a lot of other people try their hand in voicing Batman, but it doesn't ever come close to Kevin Conroy. So when you hear a voice you hear a character, you feel that emotion from that character, unless the person that you're bringing in comes close to matching that same intensity as far as their voice acting, it kind of pulls you out of it. So Batista, being a professional a former professional wrestler, being now a bona fide actor in Hollywood, I haven't yet to hear him in a way that makes me think, hmm, that could be Marcus Phoenix. I would probably put him more as Dom. Really? If I had a choice, I would make him Dom. I don't know if I'd make him Marcus Phoenix I-, I was gonna and then say, that would yeah. give you. Go ahead. I was
0: going to say Cena would be a good Dom. Yeah, I don't I don't know.
1: I don't know. I, I think he would be a good Dom um, because it would give him a chance to show some acting range. Right. We've seen him in Blade in uh, it was Blade Runner. He was in we've mm-hmm. seen him in some other acting uh, roles where he's not just this huge hulking mass of flesh that is pounding everybody into a pulp where we've seen him try to kind of break out. And I think of a, a, a role like dom would be perfect for him because he can still be the tough Batista that we've come to know you know the Drax the Destroyer the the animal from WWE days he can still be that person but he can show vulnerability he can show a soft side he can show that he's a man that's dealing with in his own insecurities his own frustrations his own fears I think that's important it, with, with Marcus Phoenix He was kind of a one-dimensional character he was very forward-thinking very you know get on with the mission very very just just forward just go 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 one foot in front of the other and he wasn't he didn't have the nuances that we would come to expect from a, a big actor so in batista i think he deserves a role more fitting of who he is capable of becoming i think dom fits him better i really do
0: and before we head on out, my friend, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about your thoughts on season one of Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. How much time do we have left? I don't know. If we, got, minutes. we might
1: need a whole show. I um, know. So that's not enough time. Man. We might need a whole show for this. But listen, um, I I was already on the fence prior to House of the Dragon about the series. I didn't know how I was going to feel returning to the world of Restoros um, and and diving back into these characters, but then doing so in a prequel format, um, going back into the history of the Targaryen dynasty uh, that was the greatest dynasty that the Seven Kingdoms had ever seen. Saying that to say, House of the Dragon by and large exceeded my expectations. Um, As far as visually striking film, obviously there were still some things that they did that I scratched my head at. I don't know why they feel like it's so important to film these dark scenes that we can barely see, unless you turn up the brightness on your television all the way. Um, That's infuriating, actually. But besides those type of things, and there's some pacing issues that kind of happen with the the, the first season of any show that's trying to set up a big plot line. Uh, I'm encouraged Uh, the characters. I think the casting was spot on. I know a lot of people were concerned about the time jumps and the aging up of characters. I think it was a great thing that they did. The actors and actresses that they used uh, resembled the kid actors and actresses, and it, it made it looked visually like it made sense. Um, it wasn't like this jarring jump where you have this person that looks one way and looks completely different as an adult. They got people that look like they could be cousins or could be related or could be siblings. Um, so I thought that was very very well done. I thought the uh, the 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 action. The action boots were great just seeing um the the targaryens and and their their promise for fighting watching daemon targaryen go up against the sand king uh the crab king or whatever i think it was the sand king crab king Uh, i'm not 100 sure don't quote me on that but to see his 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 ability to, to to fight it harkens back to how we look at jon snow and his ability to fight throughout the series of game of thrones and how each one of the Penultimate season episodes involved a fight with Jon Snow from Hard Home to the battle, battle of the Bastards to uh, the Battle of Winterfell. Uh, the Battle for Winterfell. Uh, there were just so many moments where you got to see Jon Snow, uh, a.k.a. Aegon Targaryen, just lose it. Right. And, and 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 go go Targaryen nuts. Right. Berserker Rage almost. So it's great to kind of see that that is still a thing and that we got to see uh Damon targaryen kind of do the same thing and um there's not enough that could be said about Patty constantine's performances viserys targaryen um he was so good in that role so good in, in 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 his nuances and and the way he portrayed that character and to the point where you know again as we talked about before george rr R. R. martin had called him and said bro that you did it better than what i had even written on the page um, so you got so many great performances. I think if there were anything that would make me go, God, again, it's just little things like the final episode where they send the young Targaryen to go be this 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 message bringer and and demand that they bend the knee to his mom as the true rightful queen of the Seven Kingdoms, knowing. Knowing that these are dangerous times that they're in, knowing that, you know, those are the type of things you can just send a raven. You don't need to, you don't need to go send one of your children who are 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 betrothed to to be married and are destined to be potentially destined to be a king once you pass on. You don't send them as a messenger. Like there are certain things that it just as a parent, I know I wouldn't do. And especially in the perilous times that they were in, I'm not sending my kid to deliver that message because that's a pawn. That's a, that's a move right there. So now that's a piece that I'm putting on a board unnecessarily. And I'm putting them in harm's way unnecessarily. I think any parent that knows better would not have put their child in that situation. Again, I, I get the fact that they, this is done to tell a story, right? They're, they're, they're in a process of telling how this battle of the dance of the dragon starts and, and, in in and, and started the dance of the dragons the way that they did, based off an accident, uh, which is what it was when when he was killed, it was not it was not intended for it to be so. He was really trying to scare him. Ultimately, he lost control of his dragon, and his dragon decided that uh, that you know that he was gonna be killed. So I'm interested to see I can't wait for next season, I, and I know we're gonna be waiting for a while for next season. Uh, I'm encouraged that George R.R. R. Martin, ha- R. R. Martin has confirmed that it is going to be seven seasons, 10 episodes a season. He has said that that is what we need to tell House of the Dragon correctly. I hope that they make the decision to kind of film those seasons as quickly as possible and not wait a year between seasons to do so because I'll be mid 40s by the time this series is done <laughs> yeah and uh i don't i don't i don't want to think that i'll be mid 40s by the time i'm done watching house of dragon i want it to be sooner i don't want to wait that long that's just me being selfish i'm just gonna be honest with you that's how i feel uh but i i, I absolutely love the series if i had a chance to rate it out of 10 it would probably be uh a, a nine maybe an 8.75 between Ooh. 8.75 and a nine uh, i really really enjoyed the series um, do I think it was better than the first series of Game of Thrones? That's tough. You're working with a different budget, you're working with people who have already established history um, in in knowing that in, in Game of Thrones, as opposed to you telling the story for the first time to people who have not familiar with a Song of Ice and Fire. Now people are familiar with the Song of Ice and Fire. They're familiar with George R. R. Martin and his work. And now you're going back and telling stories that uh, were previously untold stories as far as visually but it's already an established world so it's different i still think i give the nod to the first game of thrones uh the game of thrones original series but house of the dragon was a fantastic fantastic follow-up to what was a very disappointing season eight of game of thrones it's pretty much wiped the taste of it from my mouth as far as i'm concerned i think it was great and i cannot wait for season two
0: great thoughts right there my friend truly appreciate it So for TJ Johnson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great.